I was 15, it was a warm summer that year, and I made a big decision, a life-changing decision that I had no idea how much it was going to change my life when I said yes. I was baptized at that time in the Yamhill River with some spiritual mentors in the water with me, and uh, yeah, big moment, went under that water in, in baptism in Christ, but I wasn't really sure what was going to happen when I came out of the water. You know, because if you grow up in different traditions or different churches, I grew up, you know, different churches, we went to different places, you know, some Lutheran, Assembly of God, Baptist, whatever it might be, whatever flavor, there's lots out there. I wasn't sure what was going to happen when I came out of the water. I, I thought, well, well, maybe, you know, thunder and lightning was going to hit me. You know, some kind of a big display of power in the sky. I know, that's a little crazy, silly. Or, or maybe that audible voice from the Lord probably sounding a lot like, you know, James Earl Jones. Some kind of voice saying, well done, Ben. It's about time. Something like that. Maybe a big, boomy voice. I don't know. Well, I thought, well, it would be cool if I came up out of the water and I had a superpower. I thought that might be also pretty cool. None of that happened. But something did happen pretty powerful. When I came up out of that water... It was almost like some blinders had been removed from my eyes. You know how sometimes they put blinders on horses to keep them kind of focused? I think I was kind of like that. I was kind of focused on me, 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 my life, what I was going to need, and it just kind of me, me, me. And, and when, when I came out of, out of that water, it started a process where I began, began to look at other people differently. I started seeing people, uh, people that had needs, and, and I actually started to care about things I never cared about before. I started to care about people I didn't really care about before. It's almost like God kind of opened my view to a little bit of his view, that he sees everybody, red and yellow, black and white, as precious in his sight, as children. And it, that was the day that I started noticing a whole new way to be human. Now, I've been on this journey a long time, and I've made a lot of dumb mistakes, and I'll probably still make them, but it started a new way for me to be human, a new way to live, a new way to walk. And I really learned that when, when, when someone comes out of that water, it, the, the picture is almost like a resurrection. You were, you were dead, and then you're raised out of that water like a resurrection, and you begin walking in a new way. We would call that walking in a resurrected way. And so it began that journey for me. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe some of you are still on the fence saying yes to Jesus. Maybe that's still something that you're trying to wrestle with. Is that a next step that we're going to do? We do baptism quite a bit here. That's just part of our response to God. Maybe you're in that spot where you're not sure yet. But you may have a moment where you realize life as it is isn't the way you want it to be. And you may realize, I need a new reality. I need a Savior. I need a new way to be human. That's what we have in Christ. And many of us have discovered that that when we start walking this resurrected life, it's a way better gig. Resurrected life is the way to be. And I still see it, even, even through this pandemic. I've seen God do amazing things, change lives, fight addictions, conquer addictions. He's still doing awesome stuff. He's here and he's doing work. And we get a chance to walk in a new way. Resurrected living. That's what the scriptures are going to tell us today in Colossians chapter 3. So if you, if you brought a Bible or a device, I encourage you to find it. If you got one of these journals, I think it's page 14, that's where we're going to be. It's chapter 3. 
We started this series a couple weeks ago, and we talked about it as kind of a condensed milk letter. Lots of great things going on. It's super packed with great ideas. And we, we talked about in week one, if you weren't here, that, that Jesus is actually a goat. Not the furry creature, but the, but the acronym version. That he is the greatest of all time. Of all the religions and philosophies and isms out there, in week one, we determined, this is what Paul and Timothy, who wrote the letter, really wanted the audience that they were writing to and us to understand Jesus is the greatest. We don't need anything else. And if you were the marketing person for Jesus, if you were in charge, maybe you were working HR in, uh, back in the first century trying to help Jesus with his uh, public image and say, well, I need to, we need to get you a business card. Looking at the first two chapters of Colossians, you may have a tough time choosing what title to give to Jesus. I mean, we, we talked about Jesus being the preeminent one. Maybe you want to use goat. I don't know. Maybe you want to put Jesus Christ, business card, goat. Maybe that's what you want to put down there. Could be firstborn of all creation. That's in there. You could have chosen so many things for his title and descriptions. How about, how about the preeminent one? Or the overall, in all, through all. Or you might just put everything. Jesus Christ, title, everything. You could do that. In the first two chapters, we learn he is all we need. In all the isms out there, Jesus is who we need. So we've covered that in the first two chapters. If you were here last week, Andrew did a great job. He's actually doing that same message at Village right now, which is pretty cool. Uh, the campus there in Adair, so super cool. Today we're moving on to chapter 3. Because of Jesus being everything, firstborn, when we see him, we see God. He is the image of the invisible. When we see him, we have everything we need. And because of that, we live a new way. Because of that, by faith in Christ, we are living a new way, a resurrected way of living. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So hopefully you found Colossians chapter 3. Let's pause for a moment. If you're online, we're, we're glad you're here with us. We see you. My name is Pastor Ben. If this is uh, first Sunday for you, glad we're gathering together. Why do, we why do we gather on Sundays? We say this often around here. About 2,000 years ago, Jesus of Nazareth, born in a perfect, miraculous way. He lived an amazing life, taught and did amazing things. He raised people from the dead, did miracles. He was killed on a Roman cross, and, and everybody thought all was lost. But on the third day, some ladies went to the tomb, and guess what? The tomb was empty. And that changed human history forever. And for many of us, that changed us forever. The resurrected Lord. And we serve him as Lord. He, he was raised from the dead on the first day of the week, which was a Sunday. That's why we gather together as one church, online and in person, to lift up the name of Jesus today. Let's take a deep breath for a second, and then we're going to pray. Ready? One, two, three. Let it out. Let's pray. Father, we, we, we thank you for your love and faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. And Father, we lean in to hear from your word today. Speak to us uh, through, through your servants, Paul and Timothy, as they wrote this letter back in the first century. Uh, Father, we pray that you would speak uh, through their words to us here in this letter of Colossians. Help us, Father, to lean into what it means to live resurrected. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so Colossians chapter 3, this condensed letter. Let's lean in. Listen for things, right? Listen for repetition, Listen for words that you're like, oh, that's interesting. This is how we let ourselves read, but also let the scriptures read us. Things that pop out. The Holy Spirit is moving in this room. Let's hear what he has to say to us through these writings. Here we go. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. 
Set your minds on things that are above. How many times has he said above so far? Right? Repetition. Uh, set your things on, on, that are, on things that are above. Your minds on things that are above, not on things on earth. For you have died. You have died. It's really important. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will, will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever, what is earthly in you, Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices. And you've put on a new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then, we just were talking about put to death, right? Put on then, a lot of putting going on here. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has to complain against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Verse 14, and above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another, that's encouraging one another in all wisdom. I love this part. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, In word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Mic drop. A lot going on in there. I love how he ends that. Whatever you do, do that for Jesus. So we have some putting to death some things and some putting on some things. Putting to death and putting some things on. You see, in Christ we have everything. That's what we have already learned in the first two chapters. That's what Paul and Timothy wanted to make sure that we understood, that in Christ we have everything. Faith in Him means we have access to it all. Keys to the kingdom, if you will. Sons and daughters of the Most High. We have everything. He's the preeminent one, overall, in all, through all. Because of that, and because, as as it says in in chapter 2, verse 20, somewhere around there, we read that last week, that we had died with Christ, right? We've died with Him. When we, by faith in Christ, we say yes to Jesus. We die to our old self and are renewed with a new self. Because that happened and Christ has been raised, we have been raised with Him into new life. So then now we get to enjoy and practice resurrection. We are now resurrected beings. Living in the kingdom, both now and the not yet. We don't know how long we got here, but while we're here... We know what we're supposed to be doing. We're walking in the resurrected way of living. Putting on 
what is the new self and putting to death the old self. If, if you're a Christ follower in here, then it begs the question, and we read through a list that Paul and Timothy... Now, those weren't the exhaustive list, but quite a few things in there. We'll talk about them, but, but I want you to be thinking about what needs to die and what do, you, what do you need to put on? What needs to die and what needs to be put on? Have that ruminating in your mind for a bit while we, while we continue. See, we're told, even by Jesus, he says, you know, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to take up your cross daily and follow me. Now, in the first century, especially around big cities where Roman soldiers were present, when you said cross, people knew exactly what you meant. And crosses were meant for dead people. You didn't come off of that cross alive. And the Roman soldiers were very, very well trained on how to, they were, they were experts in the art of killing people. And usually the worst of the worst were the only people that got the crosses. But when Jesus tells his disciples, can you imagine what that would have sounded like to, to the, the 12 as they're following him around and they're all dusty? And Jesus says, by the way, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to take, take up your cross and follow me. They knew that that meant death. You see, following Jesus means things have to die so that he can do new things in your life, new creation. He wants to put on a new self. So we died to those things. So what things need to die? If you've been following Jesus for a while, this is a process for you. What are those things that need to die? And you might start filling in the blank right away. Maybe you were thinking about this week and some things that need to die in your life. Maybe it was selfishness or greed or some of these other things that you know that's not healthy. Or, or just bitterness toward, toward people. Have you ever had that, just bitterness? And you're like, i got to stop being bitter. How many, how many times you lay awake at night and think, oh, I shouldn't have said that? You ever had that happen? <laughs> or, or, or interactions. So what are those things in us that we know need to, to die, that we need to stop focusing on? We need to focus on the good things, putting on that new self. Paul gives us an example of some things that need to die. And the first one might be shocking to you. There's three different words, three different phrases that have to do with our sexual practices, the things that, that, that are part of us. The, the scriptures tell us that the things that happen with us in, in a sexual manner are, are kind of unique in the, in the sense that this is, is, there's a spiritual connection, there's a physical thing going on. And, and Paul and Timothy are saying, hey, there may be some, some, some brokenness there in that part of your life that, that needs to go away that needs to die, I mean, you can get counseling for or, or, or get some help with some addictions, but those things need to be, you need to be operating with sexual integrity. We know as we look around, there are, there's a lot of brokenness, a lot of confusion, a lot of hurt, a lot of abuse around sexuality. It's a big thing. Some people work their whole lives to get away from some stuff that happened to them. It's a big deal. Sexual fidelity and sexual health is important. And so right away we get this list, you know, uh, these are the things that need to die, uh, things that are sexually immoral, impure, lust, what are you thinking about? Not just what you do, right? Those all matter to the Lord. I mean, Jesus even talked about that in the Sermon on the Mount. So you say, well, I, I never actually committed adultery, but if you're thinking things in your head, that's not a path either. That's equally as difficult and equally as destructive. So we need to think in terms of the whole, whole, whole person. So sexual fidelity and strength, that's important. We need to put to death things that are immoral. We need to, we need to think about evil desires. What's an evil desire? What, what could be an evil desire? Maybe, maybe somebody cuts you off when you're driving, and you may have an evil thought in your head. Or somebody, listen, somebody driving too slow, and you're in a hurry, you're late. And you might have an evil thought in your head. I, I know I'm just talking about me right now because you all are pure, you never have evil thoughts. But think about those desires, maybe where you've wanted to shame somebody, 
or you wanted it to, to, to be violent at some point. These are things that may need to die. What about greed and idolatry? How much do you trust your checkbook? Or what in your life, in practicality, is really your God, not Jesus? And that could be things for a lot of people. That could be your health. That could be sports. That could be whatever you're chasing in your career. Like what you spend your time and resources, the thing that, 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 that absorbs your focus, that just might be an idol if it's not Jesus. What are those things in your life that need to die? Greed. Idolatry. How about, how about anger and rage? When was the last time you felt that towards somebody or something? Anger and rage. We've seen these things destroy a lot of homes. We've seen it destroy companies. We've seen it destroy marriages. Is there something that needs to die in your life with regard to anger and rage? I mean, this is big stuff, isn't it? How about this? Malice and slander. You're like, what's, what's that? How well do you talk about other people? Have you ever said some stuff that you know is gossipy, but it just was too, too awesome you had to share it, that really wasn't your news to share? Slander. When have you said something that wasn't true about somebody else? When have you posted something that wasn't true? Slander. Malice. Malice is just kind of this ill will toward people. I mean, wh- where do you sit right now? Is there something there that needs to die in your life? If you say yes to Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit now helping you kill those things that need to die. You are now living a resurrected life. What needs to die? How about dishonesty or filthy language? You ever been guilty of maybe saying a a dirty joke just to get the laugh? I have. Not cool. Filthy language. Things that you say. You know, I, I spent many years on the farm and sometimes, you know, stuff would happen. Stuff would break or you'd hit your head on something or every year we would have to like convert the combines over so that we could do different crops and sometimes you're in there and you you got a wrench in your hand see if you see if you're with me you ever had a wrench or you're working on a car or something right and you slip off and what happens you, you, you scrape your knuckles and what do you say oh bless me is that what you said that's what I say I had a language problem for a long time now, some of you, you, you uh, maybe, maybe you work in a different environment where it's hard for you to keep language in a healthy way. Maybe you were in the military or something like that, an environment where it just seemed everybody's doing it and you just like slip into it. What needs to die? Filthy language, dishonesty. When was the last time you were dishonest? When was the last time you looked someone in the eye and lied to them? I'm sure nobody's ever done that in this room, but I have. Or not said what you needed to say? Sin of omission? What needs to die? Right? This is for all of us. What needs to die? If we say yes to Jesus, what needs to die? Because dead things don't come back to life. Unless it's Jesus. He's the only one. Dead things stay dead. That's why we bury them. They need to stay there. They get smelly. How, how are you? How are you on this? I mean, what things need to die in your life? What needs to die? Some of you know that I kind of like, you know, monster stories, things like that. It seems like the last several years, even decade, uh, there's been this fascination with zombies. You know what I'm talking about? The, these kind of, for whatever reason, it doesn't even actually make any sense. You get some disease or something, you're just walking around dead, and you're like eating brains, which makes no sense to me at all. But hey, I get it. It's like fanciful fiction. But these zombies are just kind of like walking around dead. 
And some, some of these zombie stories would say, well, you, you could fool the dead if you put on, like, dead stuff or whatever, and then they can't tell, they can't smell. I don't know how they smell anyway. Again, doesn't make any sense to me. But they can't, they can't smell you. They don't know you're there. So you can kind of get away from them because they don't know, because you got your dead stuff on them. What a perfect metaphor for what Paul and Timothy are telling us. You put off that stuff. You're not dead anymore. You, you're not dead. You're, you're, you're raised to life. Why would you wear that old stuff? So put it off. Put it away. Kill it. Take it off. You are now living a, re- a resurrected life. We are putting on the new self. That's how we practice resurrection. We are a new humanity. Jesus showed us a new way to be human and empowered us by his Holy Spirit to do this. You are not a walking dead. You are raised to life. That's what happens. Made new. And I love how verse 11, if you caught that, was saying, look, we're all made new no matter where you came from, red, yellow, black, and white. Jesus, Jesus loves you, precious in his sight. We're all equal at the foot of the cross, y'all. So that means sitting around the table, Paul will say, well, Jews and Greeks. Now, that would have been pretty controversial back in the day. You can't mix those two religions. Around the table in our church family, Republicans and Democrats can sit together. Libertarians can join the table. Conservatives and liberals can join the table. At the cross, we're all united. That doesn't mean we're like a bunch of clones or something, or we're this kind of operating like robots. No, we're all individual unique, but at the foot of the cross, we're equal. And that means there's no, there's no division anymore. It doesn't need to be. We, are, we have a unity based on the fact that Jesus has raised us to new life. We are resurrected people. That's our identity. So we've got to put, to put to death those things that aren't us anymore. And so what do we put on? What do we put on? How about this? They, they, they give us a few things. Paul and Timothy do. We live in a new way. So, so now we have compassion. We, we have kindness. Even when we're busy, we're the kind of people that are okay to be interrupted to show an act of compassion. Last, last service, I was telling a story that oftentimes I don't get right. But I was driving somewhere, and I was at a conference, and then I was on, on the way back to Dallas. I was in a rush. I was in a hurry. You ever been in a rush, in a hurry? I'm sure you have. And, you know, you just your mind is focused, and there was someone beside the road with a sign, anything helps. And as some of you know, I've tried to keep stuff in my truck, but I don't always stop, okay? That time I did. I stopped. I was already late. I rolled down my window, and I, and I, and I give, give the gal a couple of power bars that I had in my truck and rolled it up. And I just was reflecting all the times that I didn't do that. See, we're the kind of people, when we say yes to Jesus, that compassion is okay for us to be interrupted for. Now, we can't help everybody. I know that. We can't do that for everything. But what we wish we could do for everybody, we could do for one and change it for one. Compassion. When's the last time you showed an act of compassion? Because that's the sort of signpost. That's the neon sign that this is a new resurrected person that we're seeing. When we see these fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, oh, we need some gentleness in our culture right now. We need some forgiveness in our culture. We need forgiveness all across the board. We need forbearance. We need to stop assuming. We need to listen more and talk less. 
ironic that I'm saying that and I'm talking a lot, but the point is, you see what I'm saying. We're resurrected people, and when we see these signs, gentleness, compassion, humility, these are the signposts that say this is a new kingdom person. This is a, a resurrected person, because this is the kind of way we live. We can be interrupted for compassion, or gentleness, or kindness. The whole random act of kindness thing, I think we can do that all the time. Intentional act of kindness, let's call it that. Not random, intentional. How about, how about humility and gentleness? Would people say that you're a humble person? And why does that matter? Well, because everybody has an opinion on everything. And everybody seems, everybody seems to be an expert on everything. You've got to weigh in on everything. No, maybe in humility you just don't. You just don't. You're humble. Someone else can win. Someone else can win the argument. You ever been around someone that always has to win the argument? That's fun, isn't it? That's just, you just giddy to be around that person. Maybe, maybe that's you. Maybe you, need, maybe you need a humble pill. Humility. Gentleness. Are you gentle with people? It's hard when we're tired and frustrated. But are you gentle? These are the signposts, right? This is the neon sign saying this is a resurrected person. They're living a new way to be human. They're following the Jesus way. They're living this now and not yet. This isn't just for now. We're walking the resurrected way. It will echo into eternity. New heavens and new earth. Why else would Jesus, when he taught his disciples to pray in Matthew 6, he said, you know, our Father, collect our Father who is in heaven, praise be his name, may his kingdom come and his will be done, where? On earth as in heaven. When we're resurrected living, we're bringing heaven, a bit of heaven to earth. For the now and the not yet. We're bringing resurrection. When people see gentleness in your life, when they see kindness and compassion, when they see humility in your life, these are the signposts. These are the neon signs pointing this is a resurrected person. There's another term for these ways of living called the fruit of the Spirit. You remember what they are? I always forget one. Love, joy, come on, peace, peace patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. Did we get them? When people see these in your life, these are the signposts. These are the neon signs pointing this is a resurrected living person. Because there's lots of other things you can do with your time. You don't have to be compassionate. You don't have to be kind and gentle. But that's the old self. That's the old. Those are dead ways to live. That's dead ways. We want to put those to death. and By the power of the Holy Spirit, put on the new. And we live, what's the overarching principle? These are all bound with love. Love. And, and, and that brings everything in perfect harmony. The thing about music, what we love about it, is when there's harmony. Now, harmony, is that the same note? Are we talking about to be unified, we all have to act the same and walk the same? And No, 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 no. There's a diversity in who we are. Paul said that. They said that in verse 11. Harmony is when there's two different notes that beautifully come together and make beautiful music because we're heading in the same direction. Two different notes heading in the same direction. That's the beauty of the church. Not all clones, not all just in unison, but unity in our diversity. This is the new way to be human. Some things have to die in your life. <laughs> Aren't you glad you came to church today? He said the things have to die, I have to kill some stuff. There's a, there's a theological term for this called mortification. That is, killing things that need to die. 
which is a weird way to say it. It almost sounds like a cemetery or, 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 or you know, funeral home sort of thing. But mortification is this idea of, of killing sin in your life. Now, this isn't that weird thing that you might see in some movies where you see like a monk or whatever and they're walking around with a whip and they're hitting themselves. That's called self-flagellation. That's not what we're talking about. Mortification is killing those things that need to die. And they'll keep trying to rise up. And we've got to kill them. If I had an Irish brogue, or if I were Irish, here's how I might say it. Be killing sin, or sin be killing you. Now, if you're watching from anywhere in the British Isles, please know that I, I meant no disrespect for that horrible <laughs> accent. Be killing sin or be killing you. Jesus has been telling us that. We practice resurrection. These things have to die. Paul and Timothy, these things have to die. This is the old way. You need to put off that and put on the new self. Right? Does that make sense? Mortification. And the thing is, what you feed grows. Did you know that? What you feed grows. And... Evil stuff, things that hurt you, tend to like to grow in the dark. So as Scripture tells us, we need to bring that stuff to light. It's the only way we can do it. That means you confess those things to someone in your life. You tell somebody about it. Bring light in. Talk to a counselor. Get some help with whatever that thing is growing in the dark. Because things tend to grow in the dark and what you feed grows. And if you've got some old self, old self stuff that's growing pretty well, you need to kill it. Because what you feed will grow. What are that means? What you're looking at, how you're spending your time, these all matter because we're putting on the new self. And the new self needs lots of time for gentleness and compassion. We don't have time for those things. They're dead. Putting on the new self. How are you doing? I love what Dane Ortland said a few years ago about this idea. He said, we don't kill sin through our resources. But we note that even in the most active aspect of our sanctification process, that is resurrected living, the facet where, where our own will is most thoroughly engaged, this mortification of our sin, is not something we tackle on our own. We do it by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes when we say yes to Jesus. We say yes, we confess our sins, we need a Savior, we're baptized, we start living for Him. The Holy Spirit takes residence in us to help us walk the resurrected life. We don't do it on our own. Practicing resurrection. Are you practicing resurrection? Are you practicing resurrection? Can people in your life see these signposts? See these neon signs of gentleness, compassion, humility? Because when they see those, they see Jesus. Because that's the resurrected way to live. There's lots of other ways you could live. This is the fruit of the Spirit living. Resurrected living involves that. What things have to die, right? I keep saying that. What things have to die and what things are bringing life to put on the new. I love how Paul ends the whole passage we read today, right? It's, it's the mic drop. Verse 17, you remember it? Right? Verse 17, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Mic drop, right? Sums it up well. He's going to say it again next week. But look, no matter what you do or say, do it for Jesus with thanksgiving. Do you know that lots of research has been done about just being thankful people? Even, even in the business world, that if you can have some gratefulness in your life, if you can every day kind of think of some things you're thankful for, it actually helps you physically. 
We knew that from Scripture. Do everything with thankfulness. Be thankful. Be thankful. This is a new way to be human, a resurrected way to live. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and let his word dwell richly. And people will see those signposts, those neon signs, when they see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, meekness, humility. That's the new way to be human. I want people, don't you want people to see that in your life, my life? When they see the church, instead of, instead of all the things that sometimes people lump on church, wouldn't it be great if they said, well, I don't, may not believe the same things they believe, but they sure are humble and compassionate and gentle. That's the kind of impression we need to leave. Because when people see that, I think they're going to want more. They're going to want to know Jesus, our Lord. We are resurrected living. So daily, here's my only point today, daily put on Christ. Tomorrow, put on Christ. Tuesday, put on Christ. Friday, put on Christ. That means even Saturday. Your, resurre- your, your, your recreation day or whatever that day is, you put on Christ. You and I put on Christ daily. And in that way, we show people the resurrected life. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. Thank you for the resurrected life. Thank you for a new way to be human through your son, Jesus. Father, by faith, we want to live that way. We want people to see compassion and kindness in our lives. And we want to put to death the things that only hurt us. Father, help us to put those things to death and to walk in the new way to be human. Father, help us to practice resurrection and to daily put on Jesus, your son, to to put him on and to walk in a new way. Father, empower us for that work this week. And uh, in, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.